Hello, everybody. My name is Nicole Kaplan, and I'm the host of this podcast, Life's a Mom. It's almost New Year's, guys, and I just can't believe how fast time has flown. Um, I'm excited, though, for a new year, a new chapter, and I'm just, it's just been amazing so far. So I'm excited to see what life will be like for all of us in the year 2024. And by the way, I love even numbers. So I even more so think it's going to be an awesome year. But anyways, I have an amazing guest come on today. Her name is Christine and she is an older mama. And she's basically coming on to basically talk about, you know, her being an older mom and also navigating through the challenges of deciding to get pregnant again. And um, she has been through a crazy, crazy, amazing, amazing journey. And she's going to talk a little bit about that. So let's all say hello to Christine. Hi, Christine. Hi, Nicole. How are you? I'm great. I really wanted to thank you for coming on today and talking a little bit about being an older mom and navigating the challenges of deciding to get pregnant again. Um, Can you tell all the moms listening about yourself and your daughter? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you mentioned, my name's Christine. I am 45 years old. (laughs) I I, I always want to say 43. I don't know why, but I'm 45 years (laughs) old. And uh, (laughs) I've, um, yeah, I've, I've, Done a, I've done a lot uh, prior to getting pregnant. I, um, I worked in the marketing and advertising world for 17 years in Manhattan. And um, my husband and I, in 2017, moved to Paris for three years uh, for his job. And um, I had a career change over there. I decided that I didn't want to be in advertising and marketing anymore. So I started working with animals because I've always loved animals. Um, so I decided I'm going to go back to school and become a veterinary technician. But combining, wow. yeah, yeah. So I'm like totally doing a, a complete career change. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then in addition to um, going back to school right now, I am. Also, I have a love for music. So I've, um, I've performed and I've sang since I've been five years old. I am trained classically and I, I started a band, my own band in, in Manhattan, in New York City, and, and performed all throughout the city for about 10 years. Um, so I've got a music background. So I'm also teaching music classes to kids from birth to about four or five years old. And I do that about four to five classes a week. So um, in addition to that, I have my two-year-old. <laughs> wow. And um, and she loves music just like her mom. And she sometimes comes to the classes that I'm teaching. And she also goes to separate music classes. So she uh, she has a love for music. So I'm definitely busy. And that's, I'm sure, how every mom is out there and can completely relate. You know, not necessarily doing the exact same thing I'm doing, but... Uh, but yeah, I'm sure everybody can kind of relate to some degree. So pretty much you're a badass mom who can just do it all. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to. <laughs> I love it. By the way, totally, total side note. Yeah. I realized you and I have the same birthday. I am September 15. Oh my God. I love that. We're Virgos. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Go Virgos. 
Um, So when did you decide, I mean, you have all this going on. When did you like sit down and decide like, okay, I'm ready to have kids. Was this a plan? Did you plan on being an older mom? Like, was there another reason? You know, so my husband and I met in 2010 and he was always on the fence about having kids. We had many discussions like, oh, if we get married someday, do we want to have any children? And he was like, well, I'm 50-50, more on the side of not having kids. And I'm like, well, I definitely, I think I'm 50-50 too, but I'm more on the side of having kids. So that was like 2010, 2011, 2012. Fast forward to our wedding, we got married in 2016 and we started talking about it a little more and we just decided we're just not going to use any protection at all. We're just going to see what happens. So we moved to Paris in January 2017 and for the entire time in Paris, we were trying to get pregnant and we just, we just couldn't, I couldn't get pregnant and it was really frustrating because it's like, Having we were doing the ovulation with the digital um, device where you're tracking, you know, your ovulation day yeah. 14, day 15, when are my hormones the highest? And I forget all the the, the correct terminology yeah. because I'm out of it now. I haven't done it in years, but um, oh my gosh, it was like clockwork every single month trying to get pregnant. But uh, yeah, oh. it took us a while to figure it out, but we um, we started in 2017. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now that you are an older mama. Um, Mm -hmm. do you go through any challenges being an older mom? Yeah. Yeah. What Um, are those challenges? I think for me, a lot of my friends are younger and they have kids the same age as my daughter. And I don't want to be judged if that's like, if that makes sense. Like, I don't want... people to think, oh, well, she's older, you know, uh, I'm 10 years younger than her. I don't know if I really want to be friends with her. She can't relate to the same things I can relate to. Um, You know, I had a few friends and I still have some friends in their 20s. And I feel like if I make a reference to like something from the 1980s, they look at me because they were like four. (laughs) Maybe not even born yet, actually. They might have probably born in the 90s, maybe even 2000. I don't even know. So I'm just like, Oh, they didn't get that reference. So yeah, it's um, it's interesting. And then yeah, there's different there's different things. Like I I have different friends from different decades and different like twenties, thirties, forties, and I even have a mom who friend who had her second child at forty eight years old. So wow. um, yeah, there's you know there's even moms that are a little bit older than me that are having children too. So. Um, I think that's becoming also a little bit more common um, because surrogacy, I just had a friend who's 42, 40, actually she's almost 44 and she just gave birth yesterday via surrogate. She, um, there was an Indian couple who was struggling to get pregnant and she decided to be a surrogate for them and she gave birth to their baby yesterday. So I feel like there's a lot of, you know, moms that are, that are also doing that. But um, being an older mom, I just, I definitely think it's got, it's, it's challenges. Um, and we can get more into specifics if you want. I don't know if you want to talk about that now or, or how you want to. Yeah, you know. yeah, feel free. I want you to, this is a safe space, safe yeah. zone, like whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, I think, you know, being an older mom, I think um, I have a lot of people that I think like being on a, on a schedule, we could talk about like more like schedules too, because for me, 
and this might go bad. We didn't really get into like my birth experience and how long it took me to get pregnant and like postpartum and all that kind of stuff. We but definitely talk about that. I mean, yeah, sure all moms, yeah can I think I think that plays a really, really big part in how you handle your the being a first time mom and being a mom in general and how, you know, it, it kind of shapes how you're going to be and how your your life for the first two or three years might be. Um, because for me, you know, I started in 2017, get trying to get pregnant in 2016, I think it was 2017. And um, it took us almost six years or five years to get, to actually have Colette. And I mean, I went, Colette is my daughter's name. And, um, you know, once I was able to get pregnant, we went through um, three rounds of IVF and we only were able to get one embryo, um, multiple eggs, but there was a few embryos that, you know, the cell walls collapsed or, you know, the, this one wasn't viable because it had too many chromosomes or, you know, so many different issues with the actual embryos that none of them were viable. So we only had one and it was the female who was now Colette and going, going through, going through IVF, you know, you're already pumping all of those, those um, hormones into your body. And, you know, it, it can, it kind of messes you up a little bit, I think, in terms of just like being, you know, a hundred percent, I kind of want to say mentally and definitely emotionally, definitely emotionally, because and I think, and I, I wish I had like the studies and like the statistics from some of the studies that I was reading as I was going through this, but like, there's so many risk factors also within postpartum. If you're an older mom, if you went through IVF, if you had a traumatic birth experience, um, if you didn't, if you weren't able to breastfeed or you had trouble breastfeeding, like all of these are factors that could contribute to potentially then leading into postpartum depression. And I was so high risk because of all of those. I fell into all of those categories. So I had postpartum and, and, um, you know, going through that, I was so regimented with my schedule. It's like my daughter has to eat at this time and she has to wake up at this time and she has to sleep this many hours. And if she sleeps too long, then I have to wake her up. And if she doesn't eat her vegetables, then she's not going to get this nutrition. And also to throw another whole point into here, we are, vegan vegetarian so we're not eating you know any meat i mean we switched when she was born to be more vegetarian to give her dairy and to give her a little bit of eggs um but that's pretty much you know what she eats from an from animal products um so i was so concerned about her nutrition and my husband you know was she getting enough protein what was she eating i mean when she's a baby though i mean she's only drinking formula um right. but because i wasn't able to breastfeed because and this is another part we could talk about, but I, I had breast cancer before I, I got pregnant with Colette. I was going through IVF and at the same time I was diagnosed with DCIS in my right breast stage oh zero, God. stage zero, you know, DCIS is the beginning, but thank God they caught it. So I was yeah. actually <laughs> pumping hormones into my body and then getting ready to do a lumpectomy. Like it was absolutely crazy. And at the same wow. time, at the same time, they found out why I wasn't able to get pregnant for um for like five years it's because i had a diseased fallopian tube <laughs> uh, and you didn't know this the whole time no the, finally one of the doctors did like a really detailed um review for <laughs> histogram something i forget the word um 
on my uterus and she found um, hydrosalpinx, which is a condition where the fallopian is essentially diseased and there could be fluid buildup in there. And, and, I, and I'm not a doctor, but what I remember about the diagnosis was that the fluid could actually prevent you from getting pregnant if it leaks into your uterus. So possibly I could have been pregnant when I was trying all those times in Paris, but with the hydrosalpinx, and that fluid leaking into my uterus, it probably caused me to like either have like an, an abortion or it was just like not abortion. Not, oh God, that's the wrong word. <laughs> Forgive me for saying yeah, that word. No. Um, uh, what is it called? Um, Miscarriage. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, Christine, did you find this out prior to having Colette or was this after? This was prior because I, you know, they, I wasn't able to get pregnant because of that fluid. Oh, so they had to. What did they do about it? What did yeah. they drink? Yeah, so they had to go in uh, and have, they had to do a laparoscopy where they had to go in and they had to actually remove the entire fallopian tube. And at the same time, I had three large fibroids in my uterus. So I said, well, if you're going in there, <laughs> you might as take well. that out too. <laughs> yeah. So it was, I'll never forget this, Nicole. It was like December 4th, 2019. I had my lumpectomy. Oh. And then like two weeks prior to that, I had my first round of IVF where I got Three, three eggs and none of them were viable. Like they couldn't work. They, they weren't even, you know, we tried to do yeah, the embryos, yeah. didn't get anything. And then December 23rd, I had the laparoscopy where they removed my, my height, my uh, fallopian tube and the fibroids. I was a mess. I was a mess. And then January after Christmas, I had to do radiation on my right breast because Got of the, the cancer. So when I had Colette, I wasn't able to breastfeed because of the radiation from the from the cancer, I wasn't right. producing any milk out of my right breast. And I was devastated and I was trying so hard because to, to produce it out of my left breast. And I was doing, and so many people had said, oh, if you can't, if you don't breastfeed, then your child could be more susceptible to getting sick because they don't get the colostrum and they don't get all of the nutrients from the breast milk. So me, I already, now I have my baby, I have major postpartum at this point and I have that in my mind. Oh my God, my child's going to be sick. She's always going to be sick. She's always going to be sick. I have to breastfeed. I have to breastfeed and I can't. I was producing less than an ounce per day. I couldn't, I couldn't feed my child. So I had to get her on formula. So she was on formula from day one and it was really, really hard. But you really, I mean, it's okay. A lot of people, you know, give their kids formula. I mean, I was able to actually breastfeed. And mm -hmm. plenty, plenty of milk. And I couldn't, I didn't, people would tell me, oh, it's such a beautiful feeling. And I didn't feel that way. I, I, I you know, everyone is different. And for me, I'm like, you know what? I, I have so much, but like, I just can't do it. <laughs> you know? And yeah. I gave my son formula, but I understand the postpartum. Can I ask, because I, mm -hmm. this is a lot, Christine, did you have any support? No, because it was during the pandemic. So I got pregnant January 2021. So we were still on lockdown, you know, nothing had opened up. And I was like, we were all the way out on Long Island and it was so quiet out there. There was, we had no friends, no family out there. Um, you know, we were just really far away from, from everybody. And I didn't have, I, I guess, I don't know what I was thinking. I'm like, Oh, I'll just be able to take care of the baby myself. I had never lined up a nanny. I never lined up any childcare. And I'm thinking, I don't know what I was thinking. A first time mom just was, I just did not plan but accordingly. You were going through so much. You know, the <laughs> like, 
oh my god like it was just it was crazy I mean my baby shower I had a virtual baby shower because it was like August or July 2020 and uh, you know at that point that no sorry it's 2021 but still we're still in you know COVID at that point so no I didn't have any help so I finally after three or four months I did find a nanny but I will tell you Nicole those first three months were hell oh I absolute hell and some people, you know, are able, some moms are able to fall in love with their child right away. Oh, me, I did not like my baby. <laughs> and that's normal, was... by the way. It happened, a lot of moms go through that. Oh, uh, yeah. And that's what I've heard. And the thing is, moms don't talk about it. No. They don't want people to know their thoughts. They don't want people to know that they're, they're not happy. Like, I was like, oh, God, what did I do? That's what I said. Can I put her back? <laughs> like, Can I put her back in my stomach? I don't oh. want her. <laughs> oh, um, oh, it was so hard. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, now now it's been two years. And my child, my God, she is the light of my life. I love her so much. But, of my course. oh, my gosh, like, in the beginning, when your hormones are all out of whack, and then, you know, I had a – also on top of that, I had a really, really bad birth experience and she was in the NICU for six days and it was really, really difficult. So like, is that because you were older or other complications? No, my water broke and our doctor was like, oh, I wasn't having any contractions. <laughs> and the doctor was like, oh, just make sure you come to the ER by 6 p.m. Not to the ER, to the, the hospital by 6 p.m. tomorrow. It broke at 1 a.m. in the morning. <gasps> And he said to come to the hospital at 6 p.m. the next day. What did and I thought do? that was strange. It, you, you can't, like, have no protection for your baby for that long. Like, the water protects the baby. Right. Like, when your water breaks and you don't have that protection, bacteria can start to seep up mm-hmm. and get into your uterus. So, you know, I'm, I'm listening to the doctor and I'm like, okay, so I go, we go out to dinner. You know, I'm, like, eating. I had a hot chocolate. I was so excited. I'm like, oh, Yeah. I, and I knew everybody at the restaurant, and they're like, oh, how are you? And I said, well, I actually am going into labor right now, and I'm heading to the hospital. <laughs> and they're like, oh, my God, you're in labor at our restaurant? It was really funny. But, um, yeah, but I had her. It took me 36 hours um, in, in labor trying to give birth to her. I had to be induced. I did not have any contractions. Wow. Uh, she, I had 104-degree fever. They thought I was septic. What? I had something called chorioamnionitis, um, which is when the bacteria gets too far up into the uterus and then starts affecting you and the baby. So, so we had, we were infected. Waited. It was not correct. You should not have waited till six. No, what? no, no, okay. absolutely not. Absolutely not. That, and you know what? I'll never forget that. And the doctor, you know, he's never going to say, oh, I would made a mistake, blah, blah, blah. Right. No, of course not. Um, but then on top of that, with 103, 104 degree fever, I hear them saying that the baby, um, she's starting to show signs of stress and she was stuck on the pelvic bone because I'm smaller framed and my baby was eight pounds, 14 ounces. So I'm trying to push her out and she got stuck on the pelvic bone and I was pushing the girl, the mid, the midwife was like, you've got this. You're going to have her out. She's right here on your pelvic bone. She's going to be out in 10 minutes. I don't want to say it was a good two and a half hours later. I was already in labor probably about 30 hours at this point. Um, and I kept pushing and pushing and she just wasn't coming out. And the doctor's like, okay, we have to, we have to get them into surgery. We got, we have to, we have to get this baby out. So I had to be rushed to the, the ER to do an emergency C-section. 
Christine, and, I yeah. had the same experience. Isn't that crazy? <gasps> for two hours, I was in labor for 36 hours. And- oh, my God. Did you have a birth plan? Um, I did have a birth plan, and we didn't follow it at all. It was thrown out the window. Um, we have the same birthday. We went through the same birth experience. That is wow. So keep going. I'm sorry. I just had to share. This is amazing. No, I think we're, like, destined to be friends, Nicole. Right? We're twins. Um, like- <laughs> <laughs> wow. So you're, like, reliving your birth experience you're as good. I'm talking about mine. <laughs> um, yeah. So I went in there, and, you know, they, they were able to, to get her out successfully. She was okay. Um, my husband, unfortunately, because it was, um, I guess during COVID, like, or whatever, they had to, like, they had a bunch of, like, towels and drapes up so you couldn't, like, walk past a certain area. But when they took Colette out of my my body, they put her on this table, and my husband walked over to cut the umbilical cord, and he looked over at me, and they were trying to prevent that. But he said that I was literally laying on the table, gutted like a fish, blood everywhere, and he will never, ever, ever get that sight out of his mind. And I just can't even imagine what he saw. And it just makes me so sad that he had to experience that because no one is really supposed to see that besides the medical staff. Right. That's why they have those drapes there. Mm-hmm. And he's he was scared to death. Like when you see something like that, even though it's controlled medically, when you experience that visually, it's really difficult. Of course. So, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, I, 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 I don't, I, so I don't know if I told you this, but when they cut me open, Mm-hmm. I was laying back and, you know, there's nothing else to do, but I was just looking at the the big light. Now, mm-hmm. that big light has a rim and that rim is like basically a reflection. Oh. And I saw my intestines <gasps> and I got so white. My husband told me he got so scared that he was like, what's going on with my wife? And oh my God. right away, the anesthesiologist gave me something and it helped because I got nauseous. So I understand, like, I can't imagine <gasps> felt it is traumatic i know it might be yeah. traumatic but you know it, it, it's not a pretty sight and i can't see stuff like that i i'm so sorry yeah not to see that yeah that was you know wow yeah i don't know how i would have reacted if i would have seen it because because i'm in that world of like the veterinary world i have seen you know things like that before um not from a human standpoint but on yeah. the medical like the the animal side of things and you know it, it i think i probably would have been okay with it but when it's your own body I don't know um it's but it's just it's it's one of those things that you can't unsee um ever but yeah I mean um after I gave birth to her they they took her away I, I held her for 30 seconds and they had to rush her to the other hospital because I gave birth in a really small hospital that didn't have a NICU so eight nine hours later I finally got to hold my child I was in the wheelchair because I had to eat the c-section but right. I was finally holding her, and then they were like, you've got to breastfeed, blah, 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 and I couldn't – nothing was coming out. And, oh, my God, that was the start of it. That was the start of, like, the postpartum and everything. So it was really, really bad. And I think yeah. just because I was 43 – I was 43 at that point, and I just think, like, I was set in my ways. Like, when you get to be in your 40s, you're just like, I've lived so much of my life. I have, I know what I like. I know who my friends are. I know my routine. I know my schedule. You know, I've gone to college. I have a career. Like I just, I had my life and my life was going well. And then everything was thrown out the freaking window. And I'm like, whoa, (laughs) it definitely changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I I know like not even being 43, like being a 23 year old mom, the same exact thing. 
right. being a 33 year old mom, you still, it's the same exact thing. Your life just completely, completely changes. But I think, I don't know if like, and maybe more like the younger crowd would be able to understand this or weigh in on this a little bit more. But when you're a younger mom, I don't know if you can adapt better to change or maybe it's also the personality of the person. I was going to say, um, I think it's also personality and the Virgo and maybe. me, I'm super organized, super like, mm-hmm. so yeah. I, I understand my life also. I mean, mind you, I had a baby nurse the day I came home. Mm-hmm. She was waiting for mm. me. So I oh, had see, that. That's so but, smart. <laughs> uh, it definitely helped. Um, yeah. It makes a difference. But I, I completely, completely understand you. Now, I want to ask you because I'm so, so mm-hmm. curious. I know, you know you had postpartum and it was mm-hmm. when you passed the postpartum though, and you kind of started feeling like yourself, you're mm-hmm. like, okay, I have one daughter now. Did you ever think like, okay, I'm ready for another one. Or were you like, that's yeah. yes. Yeah. I mean, that's what I had thought, but you know, I got to tell you, I didn't just have postpartum. I had something called perinatal mood and anxiety disorder, which is a step above postpartum. So Thinking about trying to get pregnant again and having another baby and holding that little bundle of joy in my arms scared me to death because I didn't know how I could emotionally handle it again. But because of, because of everything that I went through with Colette. But then I started thinking as a second time mom, I had it set in my mind that I was going to do everything 100% different. I was going to have the baby nurse. I was going to have the night nurse so I would be able to get sleep. I wasn't going to even try to breastfeed because I already knew how much stress it caused me before. I was going to have a nanny or an au pair lined up right away. I was going to have everything done and ready and just be prepared. I mean, still, there's always going to be something that gets thrown in there, something that's going to change. But I just knew I was, if I ever got pregnant and if I was going to do this, I was going to do everything different. I was not going to do what I did the first time and, and set myself up for disaster because the first time it was a disaster. Right. Um, but then I also thought, Nicole, do I want to put my body through however many more rounds of IVF? Because now yeah. here I am, 45, 44, 45. I only have one fallopian tube. And I probably not, I don't have, you know, millions of eggs or hundreds of thousands or even thousands of eggs left probably. I mean... I, I probably have very, very few, you know, as you get older, every, every month you ovulate, you're losing more eggs and more right. eggs and more eggs. And, and, you know, I don't know, do I want to put my body through this? Am I going to get an embryo on the first time I do IVF again? I've tried to get pregnant naturally. That doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't yep. work. It's just like, how many years do I have to put into doing that again? So, what- so that's what's been, you know, on my mind, trying to figure out and navigate around that choice. So a lot of pros and cons. I'm sure you sat there a lot and, you know, debated mm-hmm. with yourself whether this is yeah. a good choice or maybe just stick to being a, you know, a mom of just Colette, you know, and uh, yeah. Yeah. So what ended up happening? I mean, you were obviously trying naturally. Did you end up going into IVF? So now I'm 45 and I think that size resorted. says it all girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I have resorted to the fact that Colette is the only child that we're going to have. And that's okay. I have all I have all of her baby stuff upstairs in a room. And the group that I'm a part of, we're doing um it's like a mom group. We're I'm gonna doing be a, there by the way, the swap. 
Oh, you're coming. I didn't know if I could say it, but yeah. So the the peanut moms, yeah, the peanut moms group. So Westchester, I love that group. Um, Obsessed. Yeah. 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 It's like my favorite group. Actually, Um, Gal's going to be coming on at some point too to discuss, talk about. Oh, oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's, that's great. That's great. Um, yeah. So I'm like hosting that sell and swap. And so I'll have a bunch of moms over here and I'm getting rid of some of Colette's baby stuff because, and it's taken me a while to get to that point Why? where I'm like resorting to like, okay, I'm just going to get rid of it because I'm not putting my body through this anymore and I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. I just don't think I personally can emotionally handle it and the toll it took on my body excuse me, the first time, I, I just don't know. Now, if for some reason I get pregnant naturally, great. But here's the other caveat to that. 45 years old and getting pregnant naturally, I'm scared to death that my child might have Down syndrome. I'm scared to death that she might have Turner syndrome. She could have a ty- any type of birth defect. Like there could be so many problems. And yes, of course, of course, there's many, many tests there's many, many tests that, you know, I can run to make sure that she's healthy, genetic tests and so many things, but it scares me. It just scares me a lot because once again, there's so many studies and so many statistics that older moms, you've got to be careful of all of these different things if you have, if you're pregnant and you have a baby. So I don't know. No, and it's understandable that you feel that way. Totally understandable. And also I Mm -hmm. want to say, I actually read this the other day and it said, it's better to have a happy mom for one child than a, a, a mom who's unhappy trying to get pregnant with the second. Does that make wow. sense? Wow. That's powerful. It yeah. is. It is. That's and powerful. Colette, you know, she looks up to you. You're her mama. Like she, she, yeah. the happy mom in her life. Yeah. She, you know, you don't want her to, to get, when she grows up and to say, you know, remember when I was at this age, you were too busy, like trying to do this and that. So I love that you're doing that, Christine. I think it's a great choice in my opinion. Thank you. My my challenge is that at some point, she's pro- Colette is probably going to ask me, Mommy, I want a baby brother or I want a baby sister. And then how does my husband, George, and I, like, how do we get around that? How do we answer that question? I'm going to ask you a doesn't... question. And mm-hmm. I, if you don't feel comfortable responding, yeah. obviously, what are your thoughts on adopting? Was that ever, like, something you thought about or that's, like, yeah. kind of the question? Yeah. Well... I want to say I'm more open to that than George. I feel like, I don't know. He's just, he's always wanted a boy. He played (laughs) baseball. He played baseball. I feel like he wants his athletic gene, if that makes sense, to be passed on to our boy. It's so weird. but No, it makes sense. (laughs) My husband's the same way. Your husband and my husband should go bowling together. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Um, And I feel like, and I, don't, I think maybe he would be open to it. I did bring it up before, and he just said he's always wanted, you know, like if he did have another kid, he, he would be open to. He really would want it to be his own. And I haven't brought up the conversation of adopting since. Okay. Um, you know, I haven't. And, and I don't know if I want to. I, I wouldn't want to adopt a newborn either. I just don't think I could handle that stage. So I might want to, if we would adopt, I feel like it would have maybe a little bit of an older child, like two or older. Um, and it's it's definitely something that I think could be addressed, but also he's 48 and I'm 45. So he also doesn't want to be a 70 year old dad, you know, with like three kids in college. Like he just really kind of wants to to, to enjoy retirement and 
travel the world and not have to worry about this kid, you know, getting into an accident with this car or having to put this kid through college. So if we just have one and she goes to college, I mean, she's now two. I mean, he'll be in his sixties when she's going to college. And I feel like, you know, that's okay. I just don't think he wants to be like a super old dad, even though he probably already is. <laughs> but no, listen, I listen, sometimes like as women, we're so emotional, but it's nice to get the perspective of, a, you know, someone who's logical, which yeah. most of the time, you know, I find that men are very logical, at least in, in, our, in my relationship with my husband, like, mm-hmm. like, he's like, okay, you're thinking emotionally, let's think logically. So I, I do understand that I, I have to be honest. Yeah. I do get it. Now, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I, I've actually spoken to a number of moms, like, and they've had babies in their 30s and 40s. I mean, you've even told mm-hmm. me close to 50, but yeah. a lot of them have told me that the age, it's like the age, how old they are, it doesn't play a factor in how good of a parent that they are, which I have to say, I totally agree. But some have shared their concern about, like, the age gap, like you had mentioned. So how do mm-hmm. you feel about it? I know your husband feels about it. How do you feel about it? About the age gap with, like, me... And, and your daughter. Oh, yeah. So that's going to be interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, gosh. Like, all of her friends' moms are probably 30s. I mean, that's most of them, I would think. Probably 30s. Um, and, like, with Colette, I mean, I am 40-something years older than her. So it's, like, I don't want her, like, I'm going to have gray hair when she's 15. No, I'm going to dye my hair forever. I exactly. I was going to say, you can just dye your hair. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I already have the grays coming in. So I Me actually, too, when I'm only 30. I hairdresser I got to go to the stylist. Um, so, yeah, I think the way that I'm going to navigate that is that I need to just stay up with, like, all the new social media, you know, sites and all the different apps that, you know, the kids are using. My husband is, you know, really, I mean, he, he's in finance and he works in like within pharmaceuticals, kind of like that. And, you know, he's, he reads a lot and he, you know, he's always sending me articles about this and that. So I think with him and I, you know, we're both, you know, educated and we like to read and we like to know what's best for our daughter. And I feel like we're going to try our hardest to be up to date with all of the tech stuff that's going on and all the social media that's going on. Just so we know like what's important to like a 10 year old, like what are the 10 year old girls doing out there today? The what are they're using now? Yeah. Like that kind of stuff. Like what sites are they going to? What apps are they going to on their phone? I mean, we've also discussed like, I don't want to be viewed as the older you know, strict parent, but there's a reason like for cell phones, we, this sounds terrible, but we're like, do we just get her a flip phone? So she can't even access, you know, all of the websites and all the apps on her phone because social media and like tween girls scares me to death. I know. And I'm just thinking going to happen in school. You you don't know what mm -hmm. goes to when she goes to school because there are kids out there. God help me. I was a teacher. Yeah. You know, and I know the parents would try to protect their child at home, but once mm-hmm. they're in, like, and I'm not trying to scare you, just trying to be no. here, like, you don't, and that's why I think, in my opinion, and every mom does her own parenting style, I think it's important to communicate and be open mm-hmm. with your kids and talk to them about what's out there and what's not okay and what is okay, so they know and they're aware, so when a child comes up to them and says the F word or shows them a video that they shouldn't be watching. They're mm-hmm. already like, you know what? My mom already told me like, this is not appropriate. Right. Right. 
But then, you know, the kids don't want to listen to their parents and <laughs> they want to rebel too. So then you've got, you've got that issue to worry about. But I, I, also, I just don't want to be one of those parents that's like, no, my child is not having a cell phone until they're 15 years old because Colette's only two now. So fast forward 11 years. You know, what's gonna, what is this world going to be like in 11 years in terms of technology? Are we going to be on like iPhone 18? I don't even know, 20? <laughs> so it's just like, it's probably even 25 at that point. So what is the technology going to be like? It just advances so much every single day that yeah. what is it going to be like in 11 and 12 years when my daughter, maybe even younger than that, is going to say, mom, I want a cell phone. I don't want to be that old parent that's like, no, when I was your age, I wasn't even using a cell phone. We had the dial-ups in our house that were on the wall. <laughs> what, no, mom? What's a dial-up? <laughs> oh, this is what a dial-up looks like. And and we used to listen to CDs. Mom, what's a CD? I mean, I'm oh, going to be made fun of. I'm going to be made fun of. Yeah. I still have cassette tapes, Nicole. I don't <laughs> listen to them. I don't listen to them because I don't have a cassette player, but I still have them. That's so funny. <laughs> But you know what? But you know, Christine, like this might be your mindset right now. And she's only two years old. And I, I do this too. I like to think too much in the future. Mm-hmm. And I've learned that like sometimes it's the moment. And sorry, yeah, I, I, I like lost you. By the time sorry, she's sorry. 10 years old, 12 years old, you might be, you might have a different mindset or you might feel differently yeah. about certain things, you know? Absolutely. A lot can change in 10, 12 years. I mean, a lot can change as to where. We will be as a society, where we will be as parents, where we will be living, where we, you know, everything. I mean, there's so many things, so many things that could change. So I just don't, I hate to say, I just, I've never really followed what everyone else is doing. I don't really try to follow all the trends. I always look to see like the best, you know, the best way, I don't want to say best way around something, but like if something's super, super popular, I'll be aware of it, but do I necessarily want to join with everybody else? No, not really. Um, I'll observe. I tend to observe before like really making a decision. And I kind of hope that, you know, we will continue like George and I as our, as parents and then to do that. And I hope that Colette kind of follows our lead. Like let's not always jump into the next cool thing. Let's just take a minute to take a step back and look at it and make sure that's something we really want to get involved in or we really want to purchase or we really want to have our child exposed to. Um, you know, I think that's just, that's just really important to, to us. Um, no, I agree. Yeah. And my question, I want to ask you, because we're on this topic, what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on screen time? Even right now as a two-year-old, do you, like, I don't allow mm-hmm. my son to watch too much screen time. It's like about 30 to 45 minutes in a day. And that's if yeah. I need it. <laughs> so we have not let Colette watch TV at all. No phone, no screen time. Okay. You know, no TV up until two years old. So she was not exposed to anything. The only thing I would let her do, sometimes she would hold my phone and look at some pictures on my camera. Okay. Um, when she hit two, we, you know, a lot of people come up to me, oh, does she watch Bluey? Does she watch Miss Rachel? Does she watch Sesame Street? Coco Melon, blah, blah. I'm like, she doesn't know who any of these characters are. Mm-hmm. She has no idea because she doesn't watch TV. Um, What's so the reasoning have- behind that? Because we've read a lot and um, a lot of different research has shown, and I can't quote the numbers, but for a child that's younger than two, it potentially could affect like the brain development with the, the flashing colors and the auditory, like the loud noises. 
um, being exposed to that at a very, very early age could potentially, I don't want to say hurt the brain development, but it could potentially maybe harm it. The problem is like, I don't have any studies to like cite and I hate like just making statements without backing it up. So no, no, I agree. just I take you. it as a grain of salt because this is just like stuff that I've like read. Yeah, no, um, I'm with you. I read the same things and yeah. that's why I, sometimes I just need my moment to myself and when mm. my baby nurse is not here, I still have a baby nurse. I know it sounds crazy, but <laughs> when she's, <laughs> that's okay. she's not here, I'm like, you know what? I, I need a second to just do my skincare. So I, I put it on. Yeah. But I, I agree with you and I, I, I have read those studies that you have read as well. Mm -hmm. So I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, see, um, for me, there's so many of my, you know, different friends that do allow their children to watch TV and they have since their child has been like one year old. And, and for me, that was a, that was a no brainer for me. I'm like, absolutely not. Right. No. Right. Um, but now that she's two, we have, allowed her to start watching Miss Rachel okay. and she watches that for 10 minutes in the morning when I'm making her breakfast and maybe 10 minutes at night when I'm making her dinner and that's it you know she's that's it so she's getting 20 minutes maybe 30 minutes on a on, on a particular day mm -hmm. total total and to me that's even a little bit too much so but the thing is when do I allow her to be exposed to television. I can't shelter her. I mean, I can't be that mom that's like, no, my child doesn't watch TV. Like, I can't do that in this day and age. I mean, you, you just, you, you can't. So, no, because even in school, they show TV now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And especially like, she's going to be, so she won't be three until next October. So she just turned two Aww. on October 10th. So she's, she's young. Everyone thinks she's three because she's so tall. She's in the 99th percentile of height. Same with She's my son. Super oh my tall, really? Yeah. <laughs> I love how much we have in common. I love it. I love it. We got to make plans for dinner next week. I'll text you. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. Let's get together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she's just really, really tall. But I just feel like, you know, I, I'm going to have to start opening up her her viewing choices, I think. You know, I tried Sesame Street. I've been showing her Minnie Mouse a little bit here. She's like obsessed with Minnie Mouse now. So I'm like, yeah. all right, well, maybe... Maybe Mickey and Minnie and Daisy, she can start watching like some videos, but she just loves Miss Rachel. So okay, well, that's, listen, you'll do what's best that you feel that's yeah. best for for her, and that'll make yeah. you feel comfortable. Yeah, and you know what? It's actually it was a lifesaver. It was a lifesaver because like she would be running all over the house, and I'm like, oh my god, what do I do with this child? She doesn't want to stay in her pen. I hate to say that her pen, her play yard. <laughs> She's crying. She's running all over. What if she hurts herself? But that's why moms and dads, are, they resort to screen time a little bit to, to, to get them to sit down and, and like stay put for a few minutes while they're trying to do something else, whether it's dinner or lunch or cleaning up the dishes or, you know, going to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, I, I get so, it. So, so finally, you, yeah, do you we said, feel, okay, okay. No, I get it. And, and do you feel, and like, because you're older, I, maybe, maybe it's the opposite, but do you feel like that you have more patience? I feel like, at least with my experience, like, you know the older moms that I've met like they're very understanding very you know because they've lived their life like me I'm like come on Owen let's go we gotta get you know like come on yeah and do you feel yes. like you're more patient I do um I've also read a lot about trying to connect with your child on their level because their emotions 
at certain ages cannot be controlled. Like it's, they, they don't think the way that adults do. So they're trying to manage their own emotions by lashing out or by biting or by kicking or by screaming or by crying or by having a temper tantrum. And when we as the parents react and scream and yell back at them, it's actually doing, it's more detrimental than, than it's, it's doing a lot more harm. Wow. So, you know, and I know a lot of moms already know that, but like for me, I've just done so much research because I know from the postpartum, I'm like, I don't want, cause I still have a little bit of it here and there. Like sometimes I catch myself like doing something that's stupid. I'm like, wait, why am I getting stressed out about this? It's like so dumb. I don't need to be stressing out about this. Um, I'm like, oh, that's probably still like a remnant of the postpartum, but like, yeah. um, you know, wait, what was I just saying? I just lost my train of thought. You oh, were basically. You, you were saying um, that when you get with the, with the schedules and you've been reading a lot about like, you know, how you react can. Oh yeah. Yeah. So thank you. So yeah. So I, I read a lot about how to react and how to talk to the child in that moment so that like, I, I feel like when I'm calm, it actually brings the situation down. Like I don't raise my voice at her. If she's crying and she doesn't want to eat her dinner, which we struggle with a lot at, at dinner time with like eating vegetables, I don't raise my voice. I look at her. I say, why don't you want to eat your vegetables? You know, they're very good for you. No, no, I don't want vegetables. No, like vegetables. You know, it's a, it's a struggle. And, and, you know, I always, always remain cool, calm, and collected. Those are my three C's, cool, calm, and collected. Take a deep breath. If I need to, if I get really upset, I walk away. I go out the front door and I will scream into my hands or I will scream into a pillow and I will come back and I'll take four or five deep breaths and then I come back and then I'm, I'm good. And she never really, like there's probably been a handful of times when she has seen me really yell and I don't like her experiencing that. I don't because as a child, I grew up with that. I grew up with that in my house because my parents screamed and yelled at each other all the time. And I got yelled at a lot. And, and I don't so want my daughter. That generational curse is what they call it. Your inner, your, yes. your inner child. Yes. Well, you know, I love that. That yeah. I'm going to take that advice from you because I have my moments where Owen is like not cooperating and I'm like mm-hmm. biting my tongue so hard, but mm-hmm. I, I love that that you just like walk away. So he doesn't have to witness that. You sure. know what I say? I say, Mommy's really upset right now. I am very, very upset. You're not making me very happy. I'm going to walk away in the other room because I need it. I need to walk away. And also, also moms might be, this might be ringing a bell to moms because this is also what the big little feelings app also says. The two girls, Kristen and, oh, what's their name? I forget the other girl's name, but they say the same thing. And I've been doing it for the past six months. And oh my gosh, does it work? Really? So I will say like that, that one thing that I learned from them was it's, it's amazing. And the child, like Colette, like listens to me. Like she looks at me, she listens to me. Like she actually over the past week, Nicole, she's been eating her vegetables just the past week. Wow, that's amazing. It might also be because I told her that Santa Claus is watching her and that she <laughs> needs to eat her vegetables. <laughs> that is hysterical. Yeah. Um, you seem like a very chill mom. Do you feel like, you know, you're very relaxed and I feel like younger parents, me, like we're just obsessed with schedules. Like 
you know, he needs to eat here. He needs to be here. He needs, at this time, it's his bedtime. Like, do you feel you're more relaxed? Like, okay, bedtime might be at eight tonight, tomorrow night. Nope. No, not for me, actually, no. Okay. From day one, I have been ex- exact on my schedule. Like, if I deviate, today. if I deviate from my schedule, I get stressed out. Okay. So I have to say, me now that could just be my personality, but okay. no way, no way. I am not relaxed <laughs> by any means. Anyone that knows me knows that Christine, a type A personality, you know, definitely like I am when I speak to my child. I am very cool, calm, and collected, but other, like, but deviating from my schedule, mm-mm, no, no, no. Okay. Um, she eats between 7 and 7.30 in the morning. Some, the other day it was 9 o'clock, and I was like, eh, this is stressing me out. Um, <laughs> nope. She goes, she eats at 11.30, 12 o'clock for lunch. She goes down for her nap at 12.30. She wakes up around 2.30, 3 o'clock. Then she plays a little bit. She has a snack at 3 o'clock, sometimes 3.15. Then she's up. We have dinner at 6.30, 6.45. She goes to bed at 7.30. Wow. I love it. That's I love her it. schedule. <laughs> and it's good for the kids as well. as Also for you. It gives you time to yourself. Yeah. Every day. And she knows it. She knows it. Okay. It's time for bed. Time to get ready. We got to get our books out. We read like two, three, four books a night. And in the morning, on po- like when she sits on the potty, she's been potty trained since 18 months. So wow. she just loves sitting on the potty and just reading. So we probably do at least 10 books a day reading that's books. awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. And I don't know if that's an older mom thing. <laughs> it know, might be. I, think uh, I don't know. Because she enjoys it too, Colette. She enjoys yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So, so we're you, big on books, but yeah. <laughs> I love that. Now, do you feel that, you know, I feel like, having kids, no matter what age you have them, it makes you stay young at heart. Do you feel that way as well? Yeah, definitely. Because, well, I've always been very childlike and people that, that, that do know me, they would say that. Um, I've always been like really good with kids. So just like with my sister and her children, I would always play, like get down in the, like with them on, like on their level and do the imaginative play, whether it's with dolls or with transformers or GI Joes or, you know, blocks or anything, um, in any type of situation, like whether we're swimming in the pool or we're playing outside or we're sitting down playing Barbies or, you know, even video games, I would always be immersed in, you know, sitting down with my nieces, my nephews and my nieces with video games, like, and I would be terrible at them, but I would at least try. So with Colette, it's the same thing. Like I play with her. I do the imaginative play. Like George, a lot of times does more of the educational stuff. Where I'm like, I'm strict, but I'm also the fun mom where I sing and I dance because I teach music to kids. So I'm right. constantly singing. We're constantly dancing. We're playing tag. We're playing ring around the rosy. We're playing duck, duck, goose. Like we run around outside. We have fun. We dig in the dirt. We plant, we, you know, we plant flowers. Like I'm always coming up with creative ways because I also have that creative side of my brain because I'm a musician. I write and compose my own music. So I have that creative side of me. So I feel like, you know, and even in my classes, in my music classes, the kids, they flock to me. They come and they sit on my lap. They want to dance with me at our dance party time. It's just really adorable. So, but the thing is, my mom had a state licensed daycare and she raised these kids for almost 40 years in the home. So I was exposed to children every single day from when I was born until I went off to college at 17 years old. Wow. I was raised with kids in that environment. And I think being in that environment, there was a time when I got so sick of them that I said, mom, I'm never having children. 
I am never, ever having kids. I don't want to take care of kids anymore. Stop asking me to babysit them in the pool. Stop asking me to do this. But then eventually, obviously, I had my child. But I've been in, like immersed with kids ever since I can remember. So I think that's just why I have a really great relationship with my daughter is because, you know, I'm just, I'm, we have a lot of fun, creative, and imaginative ways of playing. I think so amazing, Christine. And <laughs> I, I also want to ask you one last thing. Yeah. Um, was great but if you could give any piece of advice to any mom who is older or older and wants to get pregnant what advice would you give them Hmm. well my first thought is how old they are because you know I mean they may have to resort to other options and and not necessarily be able to get pregnant naturally and then Mm -hmm. if they're starting to think about getting pregnant at 45 that, that um, I hate to say it, but it could be very challenging if they haven't frozen any eggs or if they don't have any embryos. Um, they could absolutely do IVF, but the statistics are much, much lower in terms of, of, you know, getting, you know, viable eggs and, and viable embryos. If they're 40, it's a little bit better. If it's 35, it's even better. Um, so it depends on the age, but anyone that's 35 and above that's thinking about getting pregnant, it's absolutely doable. But I will say this, and I will, I will leave them with this. After five, four years of trying, a friend of mine came to me and she was pregnant and she was 40. And she said, I had, I used a world renowned fertility coach. And I looked at her and I said, wait, what? You actually used a fertility coach? And she said, yes. And she gave me her information. I contacted this lady. She is, I think from Denmark. And she's world-renowned. Wow. She's expensive. I'm sure. And I talked to George, and I said, let's do this. We utilized her services, and I will tell you, I should have mentioned this earlier. I feel like she actually might be the reason why I ended up completely getting pregnant. What? Yeah, you know, what? I probably should have said that in the beginning. <laughs> That's crazy. What what is a fertility coach? I'm not understanding. She focuses on mind over body. So it's all about mind control and visualization and getting in touch with if this is this is also kind of you know some people believe in this kind of stuff and a lot of people think it's hoo hoo ha hokey pokey whatever. Um, but it's getting in touch with your spiritual side and believing and affirming that you are going to get pregnant. So during the time when I was trying to get pregnant, there were many times when I was just constantly getting upset and feeling depressed and giving up hope. I had hopelessness. It was just hopeless. And once I started using her, the way that she transformed my mind and the, the meditations that she gives you to do and to practice were mind boggling. They were life changing. And it took me from being this type A stressed out person to the most relaxed, calm, spiritual, open-minded person that you would ever imagine. I started opening my eyes and I was starting, I was seeing signs everywhere. Like 
I would see cardinals like daily because whenever I would have a negative thought, oh, I'm not going to get pregnant, a cardinal would appear. And if you look them up from a spiritual standpoint, a lot of times they're there to let you know that everything's going to be okay Aww. or that or that somebody is watching you or someone's saying hello from the other side. So I believe um, in So I, I love that. Yeah. So there's just, and I don't want to get too much into it, but I will say that is probably why I got pregnant. That's amazing. So, so yes. amazing. I, yeah. I, I, I love that. And now you have Colette. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And Aww. yeah, Aww. it was, it was, my mom actually calls her the, our miracle baby. And I do very strongly believe that that's true. Um, and I, yeah. And I always, you know, I think I will always have that little inkling like, uh, was there ever supposed to be another one, another little baby? Is there supposed to be another one? But each day that goes by each month that goes by, you know, we are all getting older and it gets, it gets a little bit more challenging. Um, so I think I'm just going to say that, yeah, Colette, Colette's most likely going to be my only one. And, and I'm okay with that. It, it takes a while to come to terms too, but I'm, I'm getting there. That's amazing. And, and you yeah. know what? We're very lucky to have you as a mama. Thank you. <laughs> Thank well, you. I want to tell you that I appreciate you coming on again and being so open. Yes. So no problem. Thank you so much. I'm so excited that I was able to talk to you and also share my story and my experience with other moms. And I hope that, you know, I can help them if that anybody has any fears or trepidation about getting pregnant again. Maybe, you know, people have done IVF and are scared to do it again. Like, don't give up hope. I would just say, don't give up hope because there always is that possibility of getting pregnant for the first time, for the second time, for the third time. And like I said, I've had friends that are 45 and above who have also gotten pregnant. So there always is hope. Oh, well, thank you for that so much. And You're I'm welcome. sure it's very valuable for a lot of moms out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and to everyone else listening, I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I look forward to speaking with you all next week. Toodaloo. Thank you.